Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Playoffs of Life podcast with your host, Adrian Hatcher. And today we'll be discussing Joel Embiid and whether or not he's going to be an MVP this year with the injury concerns. Also, the NBA trade deadline is coming up on February 8th. And that means that some players are going to be getting dealt. Who is going to be getting dealt? Who may stay? We'll find out in a bit. Also, the NBA draft, they have a two-day event now. So instead of everything getting crammed in a couple of hours, we may get to see our top prospects coming out day one and then everybody else coming out day two. Plus, we'll also talk about Julius Randle missing significant time with the Knicks. Can they hold down the fort while he's going to be gone? All that and more on the Playoffs of Life podcast. But with that being said, let's get into the weekly grind. So Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate. I think we all can agree to that. But concerning this year, there were certain rules that were changed in the NBA, which means Joel Embiid, in order for him to qualify, for him to earn that award, he has to play a, I believe it's a minimum of 65 games. And that doesn't look like it's going to be possible this year. Joel Embiid has set out a significant amount of games since the season started. Um, well-meaning injuries, you know, things that, of course, you should sit out for. There was some controversy um, earlier in the week about him sitting out the game versus the Denver Nuggets. But if we're being honest, when a player's hurt, they need to take that necessary time to make sure their body is right. And if you don't take that time, then we shouldn't really expect you to play 82 games. There's, I don't really feel like any player should be playing 82 games and be expected to be 100% healthy. And with Joel Embiid being the person he is and the type of physicality he carries with his game, it just doesn't seem feasible for him to basically play that many games, if I'm being honest. We know his injury concerns, and we just know the type of player he is. So with that being said, the NBA is basically going to have to give this award to somebody else. Now, there are other eligible people. We're not going to say Joel Embiid is the only person who probably deserves this award. You know, we also have Nikola Jokic. You know, he was already the MVP last year. He most likely will deserve it this year with the same type of play. I believe he's even playing at a an extra level this year. We're just so used to seeing triple doubles from this guy that it it feels like it's just the ordinary day for him. But he is playing at an MVP level. level. And you also got uh, Shea Gilgis. I mean, come on now. This is probably the year for Shea Gilgis. Uh, the team he's on is a top team in the West. They have, I believe they're trying to aim for the number one seed if they're not already the number one seed. <sighs> Shea Gilgis has done everything needed to basically create an MVP case. And he's in the running uh, with, with, with what's going on with Joel Embiid. We may actually see him win this award at the end of the day. I wouldn't be surprised. He is basically carrying his team. He's the best player on the team. And watching him is truly a joy every single night, watching him dominate these players and keep winning for his team. So he most likely has a good chance of winning this MVP award if Joel Impede is not going to be eligible for it. There are other necessary and other people that probably deserve it as well. Um, but it's something to look forward to. I believe there will be an announcement when Joel Embiid eventually sits out 
the necessary games and he won't be able to win it this year. It'll be sad considering that he's one of probably like two players this year to score 70 points. And you would think a player of that caliber should earn it, but these are the rules of the NBA and they have to be followed in order to keep the balance. So as we talked about before, the New York Knicks look like a perennial contender that are just missing that one last piece that can be attributed to the style of play with Tim Thibodeau. You know, he's got the team playing great defense. You also have Jalen Brunson just playing out of his mind since he's been on the Knicks and he's really developed into that number one go-to player on that team. You also have the play of a Julius Randle. And that's what we're going to be talking about right now. Julius Randle is going to be out for multiple weeks. Um, majority of that time, the Knicks are going to have to play without him. And they're most likely going to have to adapt to OG Ananobi's style of play, since he's probably going to be taking that position for a Julius Randle. Now, how much does this affect the Knicks in terms of the standings? So right now, the Knicks are in a really good possession, uh, position in the East. They're one of the top, what, five teams in the East. They're battling for a top seed. And even in the games that Julius hasn't played, they've still been winning. Uh, pieces on that team have been able to step up. I think Dante DiVincenzo, which is crazy, had uh, put up like 30-something points. I believe it was like 33 points on like nine triples, making Madison Square guarding history, which is insane. Kudos to Dante DiVincenzo for that. But that's an example of players needing to step up. When star players go down, these are the moments where you see what the team is truly made of because the other players are going to play the roles that they've already had there. But now they're either going to be asked to do more or they're going to have to include people that have not seen that much playing time off the bench or probably haven't performed at the level that people assume they were, they're probably going to have to see more of those type of players come into the game and replace the production that Julius brings. I mean, Julius pretty much averages like 25 something points, what, 15 rebounds, like ridiculous numbers. It's not easy to replace and Julius Randle being gone for a significant amount of time you may see the Knicks struggle a little bit just to adjust to that because he is part of their defensive anchor as well in Tom Thibodeau's system. Um, like I said, Ananobi being traded to that team was probably perfect timing. You know, they're actually able to uh, mitigate some of that injury risk, you know, that Julius Randle brought. He goes down, they actually have somebody, uh, a body that can get into that position pretty much play the same style, be just as physical, and still play his game and, and lead to winning basketball. But we're going to see a lot of New York Knicks players stepping up in the next few weeks. I'm interested to see how they step up in terms of offensively or defensively. And Julius Randle, you know, um, hope you recover. Hope you get back to the team. I really like what y'all have. I think y'all are going to be great this year. Honestly, I think y'all are making it as far as any other team out there. I think y'all have the best chance to really make a lot of noise. And let me also say, I believe the Knicks are so underrated right now when it comes to what they do offensively. Because I think defensively, they always will show up. They're always going to be like a tough out when it comes to 
you being able to score in them. But it's can you match it bucket for bucket? And for those top teams in the East, let's say, for example, like a Jason Tatum, man, like Jalen Brunson is no joke. This man can ball. Julius Randle can ball. Isaiah Hardenstein can ball. Ever since Mitchell Robinson went down with an injury, Isaiah Hardenstein has been playing his heart out. And he's, he was coming off the bench. He wasn't averaging that much. He wasn't doing too much, but he stayed ready. And that lets you know what type of pieces they have. The pieces that you don't expect the type of production from are the ones stepping up right now. So I'm really excited for the Knicks. I think they're going to be able to stay afloat. I don't know if they're going to be winning at the pace that they were winning until Julius gets back. But nevertheless, I think the Knicks are going to be okay when it comes to finishing up the season. The NBA trade deadline is right upon us. February 8th is right around the corner. And for a lot of NBA fans, this can be a very exciting time, but also a grueling experience, seeing some of your favorite players move to a completely new team. Now, for those that love the game and those that also find this so interesting, this is a deadline where I think a lot of movement is going to happen at the last minute. Why teams are going to get desperate, teams are going to see players out there that they think can change their franchise or at least get them a little bit closer to obtaining a championship. And with these types of players out there, it means that teams are willing to put up the necessary pieces, but only if they feel like they have to. And that usually comes in the form of last minute trade deadline deals. So for the last few weeks leading from January to February, we haven't seen much movement. The movement we have seen has been pretty good. Uh, there have been trades such as an OG and an OB to the Knicks. I think both teams, the Toronto Raptors and the Knicks, had a really good trade where OG went to the Raptors and they got back Emmanuel quickly and they got back RJ Barrett, two young pieces that they can build up on. Uh, OG looks like a perfect fit with the Knicks. I don't think they're going to have any issues not only making it to the playoffs, but trying to make it to a conference finals now. Yeah, Julius Randle did get hurt, but this probably makes the OG and Anobi trade look even better. And then you have the smaller deals that have been happening during the deadline, such as the Washington Wizards uh, trading a couple of shooters uh, for like some cap relief, um, some space for some money to make some moves in the future. Um, but really, no move that has really blown the socks off of the NBA. You know, I think the biggest move has been the Pascal Siakam trade. That has looked like the trade of the season so far. So far with the games he's played, he's pretty much done everything you could ask for for trading for an all-star caliber player. And with Hallie Burton uh, making his return, it just looks like a seamless fit. And they needed to upgrade that position. So this is what the trade deadline is for. It's for making those necessary moves to push yourself just that much further into trying to win a championship. And if you're not trying to be a better NBA team, then really, what are you doing? So for the deadline, who needs to be dealt, though, that hasn't been dealt? Now, you can probably look at the Chicago Bulls. They're probably the number one team who has the best players so far left in the deadline, such as a Zach Levine. Uh, the news with the Zach Levine trade is there's not a lot of traction with teams 
Um, his contract looks a little too big for what teams are willing to, you know, put pieces to. You know, they really don't want that contract because he did sign a really good contract the year before, you know, before all the trade stuff started popping up. And then also he's had some injury concerns. It just seems like the last few weeks um, he's had probably two, not major injuries, but injuries that have kept him off the floor back to back. He hasn't played really good in any of the games he's played this year. So his trade value probably isn't as high as you would want it to be. But I think he's definitely a player that needs to be dealt as soon as possible. And I also feel like whatever team gets him will really get to see Zach Levine at his best and his true self, which is what I believe is an elite score that is unstoppable when it comes to trying to create and get his own bucket. Also, you got players such as DeJounte Murray. His case is a little different. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks traded for him thinking that he was going to create this new dynamic with Trey Young. They were going to be the franchise corner pieces um, for getting them just that much further. Now, the thing with the Atlanta Hawks is when you make it to a conference finals in the early years of you building around Trey, the expectation goes up. And it just seems like they have not reached expectations in any year after that. It almost feels like a fluke, but I don't believe it was a fluke. I just think that situations call for situations. And with the different perspectives of people, you know, teams have gotten a lot better. Teams have improved in ways that the Hawks just can't compete with right now. They honestly need to move a good amount of pieces and kind of reset around Trey, in my opinion, because I do feel like Trey is a generational piece, but you have to have specific things around him to make him uh, dynamic, uh, not just offensively, but defensively. You know, they see him as a liability, and that's not necessary. DeJounte came in. You assumed he was going to be that defensive stopper and a slasher and a pretty decent knockdown shooter. And it just hasn't happened the way that they assumed it was. And they haven't made it that far record-wise or in the playoffs. So we're honestly going to see where they go from there as well. And then you have, I guess, another player that needs to be dealt during the deadline. If I'm being honest, I don't really think this player should be dealt, but Maybe you should look into trading a Chris Paul. I love the move that they made last uh, a couple months ago to get him, but he's not produced the way that's necessary. Um, he's injured again, and I'm really disappointed because I wanted to see him get into the playoffs and have a really good shot at making the playoffs, but Golden State has really not come through at all. They have... Not had a really good season. I think they're battling just to get to 500. Um, players are underperforming. Steph Curry seems like he's doing a lot of the work, uh, keeping them afloat. And as a star player, that's his job. I'm not trying to trash the Golden State Warriors because they are a dynasty team. But it's possible that that dynasty has reached its inevitable end. And when you've brought so many good memories and so much good basketball, to the game, it's hard to break something like that apart. And I feel like during the trade deadline, you wouldn't want to break up the main pieces, such as like a Steph, a Clay, a Draymond, but you have to make the necessary moves to make your team better. And Chris Paul is an attractive trade piece. So 
maybe Chris Paul has to go as well. But that's what the trade deadline is for. So we can see the surprises. And uh, as NBA fans, like I said, it's very interesting, but a grueling process for some people, depending on what they had uh, expected for their team throughout the year. So some interesting news coming out of the association. The NBA is making the NBA draft into a two-day event. Mm, How do we feel about this? I possibly think this is a good idea considering that a lot of people don't really stick around for that second round, unless you're like a diehard fan and you're willing to stay up at least another hour. You're really probably not tuning in to that second half once those top prospects have come off the board. I feel like people tend to fade out after like pick 20. But now the NBA has implemented this format, which is really good for them. I think the the NFL has done it the best uh, in terms of like a multi-day event, everybody doesn't feel so uh, cramped and uh, so urgent to like get prepared for it. I think you get to tune in for what you want. And if you want to come back, you know, the NBA is all about coming back for more, for more viewership. Then you get to come back as a diehard fan and see who else your team picks. Um, it also gives, I think it also gives teams more time on their draft board. Um, now coming into the draft, you should already know who you're going to pick, but when it's like that day, you have to make some decisions, some very important decisions about where your franchise is going in a shorter amount of time span. If you separate the rounds and you make it a day event, a day to day event, uh, it just gives you more perspective on what type of players you're trying to acquire. And you, you never know how this can affect the game. It may be such a monumental move, but you you just never know. But I, I I appreciate the NBA for doing this. I don't have to stay up too late watching the draft. Seeing as I'm a diehard Bulls fan, I always like to see what my Bulls get. I look up the highlights as soon as I see the player come off the board. So this doesn't change too much for me, but I am glad that the NBA is giving more time to the players to find out where they're going, as well as teams to make better, more informed decisions. So we'll see where it goes from here. I'm excited about it. I think the NBA makes some good moves when it comes to the NBA draft. All right, let's get into the Under the Radar Players of the Week. The first player we have is April Sengun, who put up 31 points, 7 assists, and 12 rebounds to help the Rockets beat the Lakers 135-119. to Now, the Lakers have been struggling a lot. They've been losing a lot. And during the trade deadline, they honestly need to make a lot of moves. But for this game, it was just beautiful to actually watch the Rockets play really good basketball. I haven't checked out a lot of games from them. But the games I have checked out, they are a completely different team than what we saw the last few years. Ian Mendoka has made a lot of changes, especially running the offense through Alperin Sangoon. And that's probably what has led to this breakout season. I mean, come on now. 31 points. Ridiculous. 7 to 6 and 12 rebounds. You pretty much are asking him to be the next Nikola Jokic. But with that being said, the next pick we have is Kobe White, who played the Charlotte Hornets, a team that's probably not that good at basketball. But you know what? 
They actually battled the Bulls down to the final minute. Kobe White had a game of 35 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. Shout out to Kobe White. I've seen his game. Being a Bulls fan, I know how much he's worked just to get to this point. He's developed in so many ways that are you don't really have words for it. You just love to see a player of his caliber really show not only the ball handling, the shooting, the playmaking. He's pretty much the number one option on this team other than DeMar DeRozan majority of the time. And that may have to change, especially since the trade deadline is coming up real soon. And also, if we're being honest, the Charlotte Hornets, I don't really have much to say about them. They need to just make moves off the players they have. Now, they went ahead this week and they traded Terry Rozier to the Miami Heat to basically like free up cap space and get their team more aligned for like making better moves. I think that was great. You also have Gordon Hayward on an expiring deal coming up. You know, Charlotte, I think they're on the up and up. And, you know, they've been at the bottom, but they're not at the very bottom right now. I'll give that to the Detroit Pistons. Now, on our next pick, we have Dante DiVincenzo, who scored 33 points, four assists, five rebounds, in a win for the Knicks to beat the Jazz 118-103. to What can I say about Dante? Julius Randle goes down. Oh, are we going to lose these games now? Nope. Dante has stepped up playing starter minutes and is absolutely balling, shooting the ball like God has blessed every shot he puts up. And it is an amazing thing to see. Dante, keep it going. Love what you're doing. You are our third pick in the Under the Radar segment. The Jazz are looking like a great team. They're also looking like a team that can make changes. They can be sellers or buyers. It really just depends on where they want their franchise to be. Honestly, I think they're looking more to buy, to develop. I think Will Hardy being their coach is a great pickup. And I also think that coach is looking to develop the players he has with him now. And if you're going to add any pieces, it's just to make players like Laurie Marketing look even better. And for our fourth and final pick, we have none other than Obi Toppin who scored 23 points, 3 assists, and 11 rebounds in a win for the Pacers to beat the Phoenix Suns 133-131. to Now, if you hear that final score, yes, 133-131. to <laughs> The Pacers are at another level when it comes to their offense. But what's great about that is you get to see high-octane type of games. Running up the court, scoring out the wazoo, defense is optional. And the Suns are probably the perfect matchup for a team like this. These teams were scoring like crazy. It was great to see the Pacers come out on top, seeing as with the Pascal Siakam trade, they're trying to gel. And this is just an example of the level of play they can reach when they have all their players playing as a unit. And then you have the Suns. The Suns, of course, are a team that are trying to make the necessary push. They finally got Bradley Beal back about a few weeks ago, and they're trying to get them to gel. That Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley B. Trio, when they play together, pretty awesome. Probably one of the best duos in the league. Probably a top five offense in the league right now. But they also have to get the rest of the team to gel around them as the role players they are. And their defense isn't the best, but just like the Pacers, they're a fun team to watch. 
that is all for the under the radar segment so with that being said guys appreciate you guys let's head into the hoop session All right, for our hoop session this week, we have some games to look forward to that I think are going to be great basketball to watch throughout the entire week. So for the day of February 4th at 6 p.m., the Clippers versus the Heat. The Clippers are looking to assert their dominance as they continue throughout the West. They have an insane win streak right now. Last time I heard on like NBA radio, it was like 22 and five, which is almost ridiculous. As well as the Heat, who have recently stopped a seven game losing streak, thanks to Jimmy Butler and Co. So these two teams are battling and we believe these two teams will be in the playoffs. Now they won't be facing each other, but it's nice to see where you match up. And if the Clippers can beat the Heat, it just leads to more assertion that they are ascending to that title contention. If the Heat can beat the Clippers, it pretty much means that the Heat, we don't know what they're doing because they always kind of tend to look bad during the regular season and just overperform when it comes to the playoffs. But I think this is going to be an exciting game. Check it out February 4th at 6 p.m. Next, we have the Mavericks versus the Sixers. That's going to be February 5th at 7 p.m. Now, the Mavericks literally have a player that just put up 73 points this year. So if you're not looking forward to what that player can do every game, I don't know if you love basketball. But they have Luka Doncic. Now, Kyrie Irving, I think he's trying to make a return from a sprained thumb. He hasn't played um, a good amount of games. I think he's been out for like at least at least four to five. But he's looking to make a return, and they're looking to go up against the Sixers, who – as we talked about, Joel Embiid's been injured. His MVP candidacy is kind of in the wind right now. Hopefully, he'll be able to play for this game. But if not, the Sixers have plenty of firepower without their star. They still have Tobias Harris. Yes, I'm about to say it. Patrick Beverly. They also still have plenty of pieces, such as the ascending Tyrese Maxey and a good amount of role players that can get it done. Let's see if they can beat the Mavericks on February 5th at 7 p.m. Check that game out. Next game we got is the Bucks versus the Suns. Now, we I know I brought up the Suns earlier, but let's just say this about the Suns. Even though I think they are a high-octane offense, the one thing I always love to see when they play up against other teams is how they adjust defensively. And with the Bucks now acquiring a new head coach, hopefully a better system, and Damian Lillard and Giannis getting more comfortable in playing the way that they wanted to play, I feel like this game is going to be high octane. It's going to be exciting. Two contenders going head-to-head. It just sounds good coming off the tongue. Bucks versus Suns. I mean, come on. Defense. It may still be optional because I don't know how long Doc Rivers has to really get this team to play the way he wants them to play. So we will see some pretty good offense coming. And a team with Dame and Giannis is still one of the best pick and rolls that we will ever see. Hopefully, 
we'll see a really good game. This is February 6th at 10 p.m. when this game goes down. Check that game out, guys. And then last but not least, we have the Nuggets and the Lakers. What can I say about this game? This game happens on February 8th at 10 p.m. It's a pretty late game. Lakers tend to do late games, and Laker fans tend to come out for these games. Uh, the Nuggets are the defending champs. Uh, they really haven't lost a step. Nikola Jokic is still balling. Jamal Murray has come back, still balling. Their team, still balling. <laughs> I don't really have much to say about the Nuggets. Now, the Lakers are a different case, as we talked about it. They've struggled. They are winning games and losing just as much. They are trying to get to 500 and stay above 500. So every game matters. And this game is coming soon. It's a good bar to see where you are at. And no, it's not a seven-game series, but these are the type of games you think that players get up for. And whether or not the trade deadline gets one of these players out of here, February 8th being the final day, for the trade deadline made this game look oh so nice. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really excited to see what the Lakers is going to look like against the Nuggets and post-trade deadline. So we'll see. That's going to be February 8th at 10 p.m. Thank you guys for listening. That's going to be it for the Playoffs of Life podcast today. We'll see you guys next week. Follow, share, and like on all social media platforms. Also, leave a like and subscribe on YouTube. And we see you guys later.